And we are so excited to announce something brand new here at Bayshore Community Church. Available now on any of the app stores, either Apple or Android or even Amazon, is the exciting Bayshore Church app for your mobile device. Now this app is chock full of content for you to use to engage with Bayshore. There's a sermon archive where you can browse past messages from both campuses. There's ways for you to sign up for classes, for events, for small groups. There's events calendars so that you don't miss anything that's happening. There's even a Bible reading section where you can get daily updates on where we are reading in the Bible. Also, this app has a great new giving feature, a very sleek and efficient way to easily give anytime you like and also have reoccurring gifts. So be sure to check out our app. You can go to bayshorecc.org slash app. That's bayshorecc.org slash app. And find links to download the Bayshore Church app. Well, welcome to Bayshore this morning and our new series, My Big Fat Mouth. We want to welcome everybody that's watching on Facebook Live right now. We welcome you. Thank you for watching. Uh, and also welcome to those that are watching or listening to the podcast. So uh, welcome to everybody, especially everybody that's here this morning. So here we are. We are starting a new series today called My Big Fat Mouth. And this is a series about how to manage your words. And I think that this is a series that's going to be applicable to all of us because this is an area of struggle for every single person in this room. How many have ever said something you wish you had not have said? Happens to all of us. Oh, you think, why did I say that? Some days you think, why don't I just wake up in the morning and put duct tape on my mouth before I start the day? I mean, you know, one of those days you just say things you shouldn't say. Maybe you've had an argument with your spouse, and uh, I would say that's highly likely that sometime you're going to have an argument with your spouse, uh, and, uh, you know, you have an argument with your spouse, and it's starting to wind down. You ever experienced that? Starting to wind down. You know the argument is almost over. It's coming down. You can feel the intensity lessen up, and then you say one more thing. You have one more thing you want to say. Just that one more thing, and you say that one more thing, and it explodes all over again. We've all been there controlling our words, managing our tongue. I think that of all the instruments of our body, our tongue, our tongue probably sins more than any other part of our body. Our tongue gets the gold medal in uh, sinning. It's just constantly uh, erring and making mistakes. I don't know if you know this about your tongue. Your tongue has between 2,000 and 10,000 taste buds, between 2,000 and 10,000 taste buds. It's an amazing uh, instrument in your body. Uh, When you speak, uh, they've estimated that the average person, the average person that during a week's uh, conversation, things that you say during one week, you produce enough words to fill a 500-page book. So in one week, things you say would fill a 500-page book. Of course, that varies from person to person. Some of you men, maybe a little pamphlet would suit you. But, uh, but all of us, you know, we say a lot of things. We're, we're conversant people. Over a lifetime, uh, that 500-page that uh, book a week that you would produce, over a lifetime, that's 3,000 volumes or 1,500,000 pages. So there's a lot of words that come out of our mouth. So we want to talk about how to manage our words, how to do, uh, how to handle the things that come out of our mouth. And we want to look particularly today 
about why we say things we wish we had not said. Why we say things we wish we had not said. One of the uh, points is very practical. Another point is very uh, theological about why we're prone to say bad things. So we're going to look at that today. Now, I said to myself when I started this series, I wasn't going to talk about the book of James because the book of James is like always talked about when you talk about someone's tongue. So I just thought I'd make some introductory comments on James. And of course, I got sucked into James because there's so much in there about, uh, about the tongue. First, uh, James chapter 1, verse 19 says, My dear friends, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Because man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. My dear friends, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. We are quick to speak and slow to listen. But the Bible says we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Stephen Covey, the great uh, author of Seven Habits of Effective People, Stephen Covey says this, Seek first to understand before seeking to be understood. Learn to listen and in dialogue, don't be thinking about what you can say, but think about what is that other person saying? Analyze and listen carefully. And that would concur with what James says in James chapter 1, that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Then he says in uh, verse 19 of the same chapter, James chapter 1, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Uh, verse 26, rather. Uh, verse 26 says this. He says in verse 26, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. So basically he says, if you or I feel like we're really spiritual and we are just really walking with Jesus and we're really, really spiritual and we can't keep a tight rein on our tongue, then our spirituality is not very fruitful. So basically he's saying that we have to look at our words because our words really indicate how mature we are and how we're progressing spiritually. The best indicator of how you're doing and how I'm doing spiritually is not maybe how much we read our Bibles or how much we come to church. Maybe the best indicator of our spiritual progress is how we're managing our words. So that's an important piece of this whole thing. So then he goes in to uh, James chapter 3. He kind of really gives a, a, a solid section on, on the tongue. Here's what he says in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and we'll kind of walk through this. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Then he says this. Now listen to this. This is such a wonderful thing for James to say. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Let me just take a little sidebar here. I have to stop and look at that phrase, although it doesn't really uh, exactly obtain to what we're saying. But when he says, we all stumble in many ways, I'm so glad that's in there, aren't you? I'm st he says, we all stumble in many ways. Now, who is this guy writing the book? This guy writing the book is James, the half-brother of Jesus. He's the son of Mary and Joseph. Can you imagine being the brother of Jesus? No wonder he knew he stumbled in many ways. I don't know if Mary ever said to him, why can't you be more like Jesus? I know for me, I constantly ask myself that question, why can't I be more like Jesus? So he says we all stumble in many ways, but he said basically, if you can control your words, you can do anything. 
You can do anything. If you can control your words, you're a perfect man. Now, don't be misled by that word perfect because the word perfect there is not perfectionism. It's not that word. It's the word teleos in the Greek, and it means full age or fully grown. It means to be mature. So basically, James is saying that when we learn to manage our words, we're on the pathway to spiritual maturity. When we learn to manage our words... We're on the pathway to spiritual maturity. And we all stumble. We all make mistakes. And the key to the word, the key to understanding how to manage our tongues is not perfectionism. And I just hate it when churches teach perfectionism. That, you know, you got to be right all the time. you got to be perfect all the time. And I can just tell you that's a very, very dysfunctional system because when James says we all stumble in many ways, he's not making that up. He's writing to Christians. He's telling the truth. And we all stumble in many ways. I was, uh, this week, I got a call from my wife. She was riding down the road. She had my grandkids in, uh, in the car with her, Nixon and, and Nora. Uh, and here's a picture of Nixon and Nora, their, uh, their Easter uh, picture. And uh, those are some good-looking grandkids, let me tell you that. <laughs> and I have about 30 of these pictures. I just want to sort of go through these. But this is Nora and Nixon. Nixon's about three and a half, so they're, on the, they're in the back seat. And Karen called me and said, uh, Nora and Nixon want to talk to you. So I'm talking to them. And, and Nora, she's just jabbering away. She's such a conversation. She's just jabbering away, talking. And, uh, and then I said to Nixon, I said to Nixon, I said, Nixon, uh, how are you at school today? He goes to Splash next door, and Karen had just picked him up from Splash. I said, uh, how are you at school today? Did you get all green circles? Green circles is, is like the green light uh, uh, for Splash. And if you get green circles, that means you did really good. He said, no, Papa, I didn't get all green circles, but I didn't hit anybody today. <laughs> I said, good, Nixon, that's awesome. You're making progress. And that's the key to understanding how to manage your tongue. Because here's the good news and the bad news. The, the bad news is you will never, and James teaches this, you will never completely manage your tongue in this lifetime. It will be a constant battle. It may be the last part of your anatomy that's sanctified. Because your tongue is very, very difficult to manage. The good news is, is that progress is the key. Progress, progressing, learning to let the Holy Spirit rule over your language. Let the Holy Spirit rule over what you say. Let the Holy Spirit rule over the things that come out of your mouth. I read this little, little poem by uh, Chuck Swindoll uh, about, you know, the ongoing struggle we have with our tongue. And this is, uh, he, he saw this on a tombstone in England in a little church graveyard it was the epitaph, and here's what it said on this gray, moss-covered uh, gravestone, this little epitaph. Beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. <laughs> now just say this with me. I will, I will. Struggle, struggle always with my tongue. <laughs> but here's the good news. God is able to help you. He's able to help you, and he's able to help you to progress. And so that's what James says in uh, James chapter 3. Let me read a little bit more of that, and uh, then we're going to dive into where, these, uh, where our tongue issue comes from. Uh, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers. And, and notice he said, my brothers, in the language of James, the book of James is not written to outsiders. 
It's not written to unbelievers. It's not written for uh, people that are, uh, he's trying to reach evangelistically. The book of James is an insider book. It's for people that are already believers. So let's think about this. If he's writing to believers and he's talking to them about their tongues, then what he's suggesting is, even though you become a Christian, you will still battle with your tongue and your words. And so he's, uh, he's talking to people that are already Christ followers. And then he says in verse 3, we, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make obey us, we turn the whole animal, or take ships as an example, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it makes great, great boasts. Consider what great a forest is set on fire by such a small, uh, small uh, spark. Now, some, one commentator says the tongue is petite but powerful. The tongue is petite but powerful. So where does, where does the tongue problem come from? Well, here's what's important. Theologically, the Bible teaches the reason we have trouble with our tongue is because we have a fallen sin nature. It's important for us in our journey with the Lord to always remember that we have a fallen sin nature. I remember telling you guys before, I, my first car was a 1969 Chevrolet Nova, and it had bad ball joints, and the front end line was wrong, it was messed up, and it would always drift to one side. I mean, I would try to drive it, and it would shake real bad, and it would always drift to one side. When you think about the human condition, human beings, all of us are born with a sinful mouth. We're born with a, with a tendency to speak uh, negatively. We're born with a tendency to, to have poison in our mouth, to hurt other people. It's part of our fallen nature. You think of the early chapters of Genesis. You got Cain killing Abel, throwing things at Abel, uh, assaulting Abel. We're born with a sinful nature. That's why when, when everybody was baptized today, Lance was baptized over here, uh, and when he was put in that baptism pool, the big mistake we make about baptism is we get baptized and we check it off the list, say, okay, I got baptized. Your baptism, according to the New Testament, is something you need to constantly think about. You need to be thinking about your baptism because you, what, look at, everybody take a moment and look over at this baptismal pool. As you look at that baptismal pool, you know what that is? That's a coffin. That's a coffin. Now, that's a morbid thought. That's a coffin, a water coffin. When, you, when Lance was baptized today and when people in the first church were baptized today, when they were baptized and they were put into that water, it's a grave. And the old nature that you and I have inside, that old nature is buried into that baptism pool. And when our mouth starts going off and we start saying mean things and we're saying uh, gossipy things or negative things or evil things and cursing things, whatever is coming out of our mouth, it, it's showing us that our flesh is trying to come alive and we have to say, oh, wait a minute, I buried that old person in that, in that grave in my baptism in, in May of uh, 2018. I was baptized. So how many remember when you were baptized? You remember that. Don't forget to declare, Romans 6 teaches this, don't forget to declare your old self dead according to what it says in the book of, uh, the book of Romans. Uh, Romans 6 says that if we were, when we were baptized, we're buried into Christ's death, and so therefore we were buried. Now, a couple weeks ago, I, uh, I totaled my, my, my car, my Honda car. I had a, a little Honda Civic that I drove around, and, uh, and I hit a deer. 
and the deer went to heaven immediately. And, uh, <laughs> and it didn't do much for my car either. I mean to tell you, I really, this is the second deer I hit with this car. And so um, I took it to the, you know, called the insurance people, and they said, you again. So I called them, <laughs> and, uh, and they, they, they took it to the, to the you know, the, the, uh, the car place, and they said, oh, man, it's bad. It's bad. It's going to be, you know, it's total. So I called my friend Walter Davison at, uh, at, uh, at, at uh, Pohanka Honda, and I said, here's how much the insurance company wants to give me for my car. Uh, is that worth it? It had 120,000 miles on it, hit two deer, and had another little fender bender. It was all on the record, and they gave me a certain amount of money. And I called Walter, and I said, is this a good deal? He said, take the money and run. So I said, Walter, I want a truck. I've been wanting a truck. I've been saving for a truck. Never had a truck. Want a truck? So Walter had three Toyota trucks. I wanted a Toyota truck. And so he had, had a truck down there. And I looked at it. And, uh, and so I bought a truck. I got a truck. I've got this amazing truck. And I got this truck. And, and, uh, and, and I, I got a good deal. Well, Walter told me I got a good deal. So I got a good deal. <laughs> but the thing about this truck is it has, it has four-wheel drive. And I didn't know I was a truck person, but I'm a truck person. Young guys are saying, cool truck, cool truck, man. I'm... <laughs> hey, babe, cool truck, man. I'm... People are saying that to me all the time. Nobody ever said that to me about my Honda Civic, but this is amazing. <laughs> so I'm loving the attention I'm getting. But it has four-wheel drive. And a Christian is somebody that has four-wheel drive. You don't just have two-wheel drive. You don't just have, you don't just have one nature. You have a higher nature that has greater traction toward godliness. And so a person, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you only have one nature. You have a sin nature. You may be a nice person. You may be an educated person. You may be a sophisticated person. But biblically speaking, you have one nature that's prone toward darkness. But when you think about a person that becomes a Christian and has Jesus in their heart, they're given a new nature and they're given four-wheel drive so they can live at a higher level. So the reason, the reason we have trouble with our words has to do with who inherently we are. And so we have to deal with who we inherently are, and we are inherently a fallen person. We have to bury our old person, and the book of Ephesians says, take off the old person and put on the new person. So every day you have to say, and I have to say, if my tongue gets crazy and I get mad at somebody or I'm on the tennis court and I say something I shouldn't say, all of a sudden I realize that's the flesh. That's the flesh. I need to remember I buried that old person in the grave. I was baptized and I was buried. And so therefore I remember I've been buried and and baptized and I have been buried with Christ. So the old nature. Now let me just show you real quickly before we move on to the, uh, the last point this morning. Let me show you real quickly what I'm saying. What, what's important for us to see is in the book of Romans, chapter 3. Uh, Romans, chapter 3, and we're going to put it on the screen here. Romans, chapter 3. Romans, chapter 3, is Paul describing the human condition. And everybody universally has this condition. And I want you to see what it says about the tongue in this passage. Um, let me read it. It's a section here. As it is written, there is none, no one righteous, not even one. Next verse. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. Next verse. All have turned away. They have become together, become worthless. This is all of us. There is no one who does good, not even one. Next verse. 
here's where he begins to talk about the fallen nature has to do with our words. He says this, their tongues, who was there? There is all of us, people that have a fallen sinful nature. Their throats are open graves. If you look down into the mouth of an unredeemed person, it's full of death. If you look down into the, into the mouth of a person who does not know Jesus, there's nothing but death there. And if you look down into our, those of us that are Christians, you look down into our fallen nature, there's nothing but death there. And says their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit. Their poison of vipers is on their lips. So from our fallen nature comes this, this orientation, this propensity towards sin. So I have to remember that, that that's part of where uh, that comes from. So just say this with me before we move on to the last point today. Say this with me. I have problems with my mouth because I have a sin nature. I have to bury my sin nature in baptism. So you have to remember, you have to remember your baptism. And when you start getting crazy, saying stuff, and your, your mouth is showing your flesh, you can't. It says, James says this, by the way, let me just say this. James says this. James says, no man can tame the tongue. No man can tame the tongue. He's showing us that in order for us to overcome our tongue problem, we have to have the divine help of the Holy Spirit to help us. We have to have a new nature inside. And out of that new nature is sweetness, kindness, patience, and love. Now, the other thing I want to mention today is this, is uh, that every word... Every word is first a thought. Every word is first a thought. There's no such thing as a word starting as a word. A word always comes from a thought. Now, that's fundamental, but let's think about that. If your words are first a thought, if you can manage your thoughts, then you'll manage your words. When I was a kid uh, growing up, we had a tax ditch not too far from the house where uh, I grew up. And this time of year, spring, I remember as a kid, I remember putting on my cutoff uh, jeans and running across the field and going down in that ditch and catching tadpoles. How many ever as a kid caught tadpoles? I mean, here's a picture of some tadpoles. I would just catch these things, put them in jars, you know, uh, we had all these tadpoles. I mean, I just loved catching these tadpoles. Now, here's the thing about a tadpole. A tadpole is a tadpole, but it's going to become a frog. Now, how many know I'm giving you some deep science right now? <laughs> this is deep science. This is not for the faint-hearted. A tadpole is going to become a frog. Every frog once was a tadpole. Every word once was a thought. So my thinking will impact my speaking. My thinking will impact my speaking. So... Philippians 4, whatever's good, whatever's lovely, whatever's true, whatever's admirable, think on these things. I have to work at this. And here's what happens to us. You know, we have, uh, we have these relationships with people, our family, and, and, and you know, 
how many, how many have ever had trouble? Don't raise your hand, but how many have ever had trouble with your family, people in your family, the people you're related to? You know, you're praying to the Lord, take them to heaven. I'm mean. <laughs> or somewhere, take them somewhere. People you work with, you know, or, or your spouse, and you're just, you're just thinking, thinking about people. You just, you just like, you're thinking about home, the things they said, the things they did, and you're just thinking. They're just like, you know, and and you just have these oh, their attitude and just their snotty way of treating you, and you just you just mull on it, think about it. You're just thinking about it all the time because every word was a thought first. And here's you know what happens here. You just you're just thinking all the time. And then something happens. They say something. And, and you know, you didn't make that up on the fly. You've been working on that speech for years. <laughs> but you're just thinking all the time. Thinking about, oh my gosh, and you're thinking about this, you're thinking about that. And you're just thinking about, oh, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe how unfair that is. And you're just thinking, thinking, thinking. And then all of a sudden, sometimes you bump into have a conversation. It just comes out. Now, I, I want to ask Gordy to come open this, if he would. <laughs> but this is what you're thinking. And something happens. And you have a conversation. Now I've got to change these pants for two reasons. Anyhow, <laughs> but that is what happens. You know what it talks about in the book of Galatians? It talks about, about our conversation about acts of, and words of rage, words of anger, words of frustration. They were always a thought. They were always a thought, maybe under process for a long time. But our words are the result of our thoughts. So one of the things I've been thinking about, I have people that, you know, that maybe rub me the wrong way like you do. Uh, You know what I've been thinking? I've been thinking about, you know, whatever's lovely, whatever's good. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's great. That's a person with a gift of mercy right there. <laughs> the rest of it, you don't care, you know. <laughs> what the world's wrong with that guy? You know, if you think about every person, every person, there's something wonderful about them. So what, if I start thinking about, oh my gosh, and this and that, and I can't believe they did, I think about, I can get a picture of something good. Because when I think lovely things, I say lovely things. When I think good things, I say good things. When I think ugly things, I say ugly things. You always, always, always say what you've been thinking. So I heard about this this, uh, new minister that came to this church. He had a really big nose. And, uh, and the, this woman in the church, uh, she had a little nine-year-old boy that just, uh, I think it was like f- maybe long, younger than that, five or six. And he, was, uh, he was just kind of a little kid to say whatever was on his mind. And this, 
this, this woman wanted to have this new minister over to the house for dinner. And she sat her little boy down, Johnny. She said, Johnny, now listen, our minister's coming. He's got a big nose. And I don't want you to say anything about that minister's nose. Now, I mean it. So they had the minister over for dinner, and then they're sitting there at the dinner table, and she could see Johnny looking at that minister's nose. He was looking. At the... <laughs> so she took him into the kitchen. She said, now, Johnny, I said, don't say anything about that minister's nose. Oh, okay, Mommy, I won't say anything about that minister's nose. So she went back in. She's pouring the minister's coffee, and she said, would you like some sugar with your nose? And... Uh, <laughs> Say this with me. I will, I will. always say always what I've been thinking. So here, we're going to close today with three little tips here. Three little tips about, uh, about your words. First of all, uh, ask God for help. Ask God for help. Uh, first of all, ask God for help. Psalm 1914. The psalmist writes, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. And then Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep a watch over the doors of my lips. I want you to take a moment, take your hand, and put it on the side of your mouth. And as we begin this series, I want you to ask the Lord to put a guard over your mouth. Uh, just say this, Lord, sanctify my mouth, guard my mouth from saying things that are destructive and harmful to others. Secondly, confess your sins to God and others. James says we all stumble in many ways and no man can tame the tongue. Dealing with our tongue will be a battle our whole life. So when we err with our tongue, we have to confess it to the Lord and ask the Lord to forgive us. And we have to ask others to forgive us. If we have said something that's been like a wrecking ball into someone's soul, we need to ask them to forgive us as well. I think apologizing is one of the things that God has put into our relationship with others to keep us humble. I remember when uh, some of you heard me tell this story before. I remember uh, one night before hunting season, when my son Tim was about maybe nine years old, and it was the night before hunting season, I had my gun all sighted in. And I, was, I had a new strap that I was putting on my, on my gun, and my son Tim has always been so, such an aptitude of fixing things, and he always wanted to help. He's there helping me put this uh, strap on my gun, and he drops the gun, and it hits the scope, and, and, and in a flash of anger and impatience, I spoke harshly to him I, just, I remember that moment like it was just yesterday and I could see on his little face that I'd hurt him and so I said to Tim I said Tim I am so sorry your dad was absolutely 100% wrong I lost my patience and I thank you for helping me and I'm very sorry I, I'm so sorry and I took him and I hugged him and I asked him to forgive me and that was it. And uh, I don't remember speaking to him like that again. Uh, maybe I did, but you have to ask him. But I know from that point on, I knew I had to really guard and protect him because it wounded his heart. So if 
when we think about our tongue, first, ask God to help us. Say this with me. God can help me overcome my tongue. Second, if you've uh, erred with your tongue, confess it to the Lord. Confess it to others. And finally, the last point of this morning is use your tongue to glorify the Lord. It says in Psalm 34, 1, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Let's lift our hands to the Lord this morning. Let's ask the Lord to help us in this series for our words to be uh, managed by the Holy Spirit. This is one of those series I believe the Holy Spirit's going to use in a very practical way to change us and change our relationships. So Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus right now. We thank you for the love of God. We thank you for the forgiveness of God. We thank you for the mercy of God. We thank you, Lord, that as James said, we all stumble in many ways, that Lord God, he was pointing us toward the grace of God to give forgiveness to us. But also we're grateful that your Holy Spirit has a plan to bring, bring great progress in this area of our life. So we pray that our words will be honoring to you, our words will help other people, and our words will be a blessing and not a curse. We ask this in the name of Jesus, and everybody said amen and amen. If you love the Lord, say a big amen. amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering this morning. If you're, if you're here this morning, you would like prayer. We have uh, prayer and communion at each of these tables at the end of the service. We'll see you next week for part two. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.